We wrap up season three of the Ramp Podcast with Danielle Press, Senior Vice President of Sales at Hotel Engine. To say the least, Danielle is accomplished. She has decades of sales experience and brings a creative and enthusiastic approach to selling and building sales teams to the world. I'm inspired by Danielle for many reasons, not the least of which is her path to success by working her way up at Staples and then transitioning into tech sales at Hotel Engine. She's also a mentor at the Girls Club, where she is dedicated to help change the face of sales leadership one woman at a time. The program is designed to produce confident, high-functioning, certified digital sales managers who are ready to lead high-performing teams. Before we jump into this episode, I would also like to say congratulations to Danielle, who just welcomed twins into the world. She's multi-talented and multifaceted and can truly do it all. Let's jump into the final episode of season three of the Ramp Podcast. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. All right, everyone, we are back with the Ramped Podcast, the last episode of season three. Super excited about today's guest. It is Danielle Press. Danielle, how are you? I am doing great, Danny. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Well, I'm sure our audience wants to hear from your from your mind all of the tips, the tricks, the strategies, etc., about what they could be doing better in their careers. But before we jump into those five questions, I do want to know, who is Danielle Press? Who is Danielle Press? Um, I was just sharing with Danny. I am an accidental mom of four, four beautiful girls, almost four and eight months. Um, so weekends and nights, I'm a mom by day, senior VP of sales at a company called Hotel Engine. And I think like many of us, I'm an accidental salesperson too, but passionate and absolutely love what I do and super excited to be here. Sweet. Love that. Yes. And congratulations to a new mom of twins. That's very, very exciting. And it sounds like a bunch of happy accidents in both of our careers. So, so that, that's a good place to, to jump off into those five questions. So the first question that we ask everyone is what is the best investment an early career salesperson or early career employee can do for themselves and why? Yeah. In my opinion, early in your career, it's really all about accelerating your learning curve. You have a couple tips or thoughts here. I think one is find the most successful people in your business that you can relate to and study what they do. Observe, take note, ask about their process, take bits and pieces of their approach and refine your own. I think importantly, flag your most challenging objections or scenarios to navigate and ask them how to tackle. This is an opportunity to just accelerate your learning curve aggressively. When I think about our business and the hundreds of people we've hired and onboarded, the best people are students of the craft and they are absolutely driven to learn and fail and iterate on their approach in order to accelerate, accelerate their success. 
The other thing I would just say is solicit feedback all the time. We expect sales leaders to be coaches. Some are better than others. Everyone needs feedback and everyone needs needs them needs to be told the difficult things that they don't want to hear. I think a lot of us operate with the intention of saying X, but they deliver Y. You think you speak with confidence, but instead you sounded reluctant. You had 17 filler words in your delivery and you weren't clear and coherent. You need feedback and you need people that will tell you straight and honest. I could think about one person in my career when everybody would say, great job, Danielle. That delivery was spot on. He would call me and say, you said um 17 times. And those are the people that just, they make you better and we, we all need it. Super, super sound advice. And it reminds me of the quote that's attributed to Picasso, but it goes something like, you know, good artists copy, great artists steal. And there's no better folks than to find the smartest, most intelligent, most hard charging, you know high-flying folks at your company or companies when you're early in career and just like straight up copy exactly what they do. There's no there's no problem, right? It's likely that you're not going to be doing the exact same work anyway. So why not just copy their best or steal their best tendencies and then put it all together, throw it at the wall and see what sticks in your own? No question. You have to make it your own. But people that are successful have failed a hundred times before. Take their failures, learn from them, and it accelerates it accelerates your performance light years. Yep. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I know we talked about it a little. It seems like you fell into sales accidentally, but our second question is probably relevant for that. How has your view on sales changed over your career and why do you think that is? So when I first got into sales, um I think my perception was very stereotypical of what salespeople do. They try to get people to buy something they know they, they don't need. And I was like, I don't think I could be a salesperson if I have to get someone to buy something that they don't need. It's not who I am. And this is probably stating the obvious, but you know, I've learned that the best salespeople are incredible listeners. They have intrinsic curiosity. And I think above all, they're just problem solvers by nature. Sales is not about really selling anything. It's about solving problems. And interestingly, despite all the social media about this, how to position a demo, value selling, understand the client's problems and match solutions, nine out of the last 10 demos I've been on from great SaaS products, the team starts with a demo. They don't start with understanding who I am, what my job is, and what my problem is. And it's pretty wild. And I think this is a foundational part of being a successful salesperson. But we we continue to miss the mark across a lot of great companies. But at the foundation, people want to just be understood. They don't want to be sold to. And so when you take time to understand people as people, who are they? What do they do? What challenges do they have? How do they operate? you create the opportunity for real impact. And in absence of that, I think you you come off like the stereotypical salesperson I never wanted to be. So true. So true. I think the game has changed significantly today, right? Because there's so much information out there. You can go look at any number of these review sites and get an honest opinion or many honest opinions on what the product actually does, how it does it, what the costs are, what the benefits are 
what you know a head-to-head comparison versus 10 competitors are for any product and i think the buyer is way more informed today so they just want to when i am a buyer i'll use my my perspective but when i'm a buyer i just want to know that the person on the other side can actually tell me very specifically what the product does for my business and to do that you legit just have to understand the the problem that i'm facing the pain that i potentially have and really like where the future of my business is in you know three six months and then even beyond that if you want me as a long-term customer it's really not that hard but if you don't solve that problem don't don't throw stuff down my throat it's just not gonna it's not gonna work like i've already made my decision there's no question obviously as a as a buyer there are there is a level of research that i've done to understand but what i'm hoping from a salesperson is to understand what are the specific challenges i'm facing in my business today what do I want to solve short term and what are my goals long term? And then hear how their product can do it. And so I think hiring for salespeople really comes down to hiring people that have that level of curiosity, that want to know you as a person, know you as a professional, know what your business is. And the more you understand, the more, in my opinion, there's not a magic question, right? But if you have natural curiosity, then you start to understand where your product or solution can match the needs of have the largest impact on the on the company you're trying to sell to. Yep, hundred percent spot on there. Good segue to to our to our next question because we can probably identify some of these things that well for sure I did early in my career that I tried to get out. But for you, what is one mistake that you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? I've made so many mistakes, Danny. I would actually say most of my defining ones are actually early in my sales leadership career. So if it's okay, I'll start and share there. And if you want to know something more specifically, happy to share. Number one, I think building a great team means having people that do things differently than you. And that's a really, really good thing. It will make you and your team better. I'll tell a story. As a young leader, I remember wanting to control everything. I kind of actually thought that was a leader's job. You go from having your own playbook and framework for success, how you sell, how you approach the day, how you position a discovery conversation, to now having to get results through people. And in hindsight, I actually felt totally out of control. I didn't know how to get people's buy-in. I thought my job was to tell people exactly what to do and have them do it. And it didn't work. I ended up with a pretty unengaged, frustrated team that was performing okay. Uh, And I knew I had to change. I learned to listen a lot more, get the team's perspective on the path to win. I set the goals on the finish line, but I needed to provide as a leader a heck of a lot more flexibility that allowed people to be them. Everybody needs to be themselves and work within the guardrails. And so making sure that I had the right structure, but flexibility to say, do it your way, as long as we're aligned on the end result was really, really important. I also realized that people work a heck of a lot harder when they're more, when they're committed and they're actually part of the solution. Telling people exactly what to do does not leave people feeling engaged and inspired. But when they get to collaborate on the solution and understand the goal, they are, they'll work much harder than you ever even asked them. And I would say my leadership style since then has really been focused on collaborative problem solving, incorporating a view of the problem and solution from all levels. So 
my peer group, my direct reports, their direct reports and say, we're struggling with X, Y, and Z thing. What's the path to get there? What do you see? And I've also in parallel just learned to get comfortable that I don't have the best answers all the time. But if I hire great people and I create the right guardrails and the communication channels, we have the opportunity to elevate the team quite a bit. Yeah, this is really, really good insight and something that a lot of early managers, I do think, struggle with because usually or sometimes folks come from a high-performing IC role, right? They were great at selling themselves or great at one or two or three aspects of the role. And they assume, you know, it's natural, I think, honestly, something that I probably did too early in my career. They assume that if, if I just coach everybody on those three things that I did really well, then everybody will be really well or everybody will do really well. It's not always the case, right? It's all of this collection of diverse thought and action to bring together a really strong winning team. And something that I've now lived by as a manager is micromanage the process, never micromanage the people. So if the process is set up and the guardrails, as you put it, are in place, and those are you know well thought through, and then you just kind of let everybody roam and do whatever they want within the guardrails, you should have a really strong and winning formula for a great team. I wholeheartedly agree. Awesome. Probably a good segue to, to our next question. This is something that allows folks to have a ton of time to reflect on their career and some of those strong influences, but who has had the greatest impact on your career and how have they impacted you? I have had the benefit of so many amazing peers, partners, mentors, strong women. I give a lot of my professional success to those. I think from the first first question you asked me, follow people and study people that are successful. I always made sure that I had someone I was looking up or around at to say, how could I be better? So I've had the great fortune of having lots of people around me that can challenge me, accelerate my network, and just provide provide diverse perspective. I have three, but we'll see what we have time for. But I think they're meaningful and provide different different levels of context and and why they're why they're really relevant. So the first first person, her name is Rebecca. I won't use full names here, but I had a boss at the time that wanted me to have a female mentor. At the time, there were very few female sales leaders, and he suggested a woman who I knew of. She had a role in HR strategy. She was a director of HR strategy, so not a natural mentor partnership, but she was just a fantastic leader. He partnered me up with her. We met biweekly. Everything I asked, she delivered big time. I would literally bring her my biggest problems. I don't know how to articulate the strategy. I didn't know how to handle an individual challenging scenario. She was a super safe sounding board that had really unique perspective. And I guess that's probably just another interesting call out. Sometimes having someone mentor that's on the side that's very removed from your day to day can prove more valuable than someone who's, who's in your direct org. There was this promotion opportunity that I was being considered for. I was probably 27 our head of sales at the time made a comment to Rebecca that he really liked me, but he thought I was young. And she was 10 years older than me, and she challenged him directly. She said, we'll call him Joe. I don't know the name of Joe. Name a competency uh, Danielle's deficient in. Name a competency that she's deficient in. 
If it was age, he had to hire me. If there was a skill set or capability I didn't demonstrate, name it, he couldn't. And so he hired me. And it was just an example of pure advocacy. I would not. I was relatively young in my career. If someone told me I was underqualified, I was not comfortable at that time challenging and saying, nope, I am. Consider me. And so I think just an example of advocates who see something in you that sometimes you don't see in yourself. I think this is super relevant for women who don't typically raise their hand and just lasting impact on me. The next person I would talk about is a woman named Amy. Similarly, she was a VP of sales that I partnered with. I never worked directly for, but she helped me think through multiple career moves over, over my time and ultimately actually helped me get the job that I, that I have today. I had a handful of forks in the road. I worked for Staples for a very, very long time and built my B2B and commercial muscles there. And I used Amy as a sounding board quite a bit on which path I should take. One in particular, I had a path to either lead the strategy group at Staples for a go-to-market or run a pretty highly visible business. And I was really, I was grappling with the decision. One was this high visibility, exposure to C-suite. It was a skill set. I did not feel like I had enough of the strategy muscle. And I really, it was really something I wanted to build. The other one was a high growth business. I really liked being an operator and wanted to make sure that I had a sales team under me. And I really struggled to what's the right path. And so I remember having multiple conversations with her and she actually helped me negotiate a different role. I was offered two and I said, I don't want this one or this one, but can you, the operating role, can I actually have some level of strategic responsibility and helped me marry up a role that ultimately I was going to be engaged and excited about and that was going to challenge me professionally. And it was just a really good experience because similarly, most people are looking to take the job they're offered, not necessarily to find a new job. And so she helped me really think through it and be really thoughtful about what was what was right for me at that time in my career. She also recommended me to the recruiter for Hotel Engine. And so is the reason that I have the job job today. So the the last question that we ask all of our guests on all three seasons of the Ramp podcast is if you could go back in time now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you are entering into your career and why? You know, I think the advice I'd give is similar to the things I've already talked about around feedback and failure. Embrace each growth milestone. When it gets hard, don't run, grow from it. We all, all have really challenging times in our career. And the ones that are the most challenging are usually the ones that are the most defining. Stay humble, but build a trusted network of people that will accelerate your development. I think the trusted network piece is really, really important. Sometimes we think bigger is better. I don't think it's about having 50 people in your network you call. I think it's about having a couple that you can rely on through and through to challenge you. When you get comfy, when you get cozy, when you get complacent, a few people that will really be a trusted network that you can that you can lean on. And I'd say the last thing is just advocate advocate for yourself. I didn't many times in my career. And I would go say, Danielle, advocate yourself, advocate for yourself. It's something that I candidly is, is something that I'm still working on. 
really solid advice. It's something that folks who are early in their career maybe are a little bit more hesitant to do. And sometimes, you know, it sounds like later in their career too, right? It doesn't come naturally always to just go out on your your on a limb for yourself. I'm just curious to know from your perspective, like why is it so difficult? You should be your own biggest champion, right? That makes total sense. But for some reason, folks get caught up in like, am I being too aggressive? Is this yeah. about me, et cetera? You know, I think that when you're a salesperson or early in your career, you say, okay, well, if I'm, if I should be considering a different role or a different opportunity, someone will come tell me. And I think the truth is, is it actually works the inverse. I have a story at Hotel Engine where the, the woman who's now our associate director of sales development, she put in a resignation to me. She said, okay, I'm quitting. And I said, why are you quitting? She said, well, I want a bigger challenge. And I'm not challenged. Like, well, then let's talk about that because I see a lot in you. And I think it was a leadership moment for me where I said, how come I didn't have this conversation with her? But she's sitting there stewing and saying, man, I could be doing something more and I could be doing something different. And people silently make these decisions. And the, the flip side is if you just have a conversation and say, hey, I want to do something different. I want to be challenged. I want to do more. I want to work on X, Y, and Z. Leaders will lean in. Megan went from being an account executive to standing up her SDR team to now leading the entire function in 18 months post that conversation. And I'm not proud to say that she had to put in a resignation in order for that to happen. But I think it's just an example of you're just because you're competent and capable, leaders may not see in that light until you have that conversation. And it's really important to humbly say, hey, I want to do more. Or I want to do something different or I don't feel challenged. Whatever the scenario is, I, I think more than anything, folks should just know you're worthy, you're competent, you're capable to have the conversation. And if you don't get what you're asking for, you'll be better for it regardless. Yeah, that's that's super, super solid, tactical. And I love that you frame everything up in a story because it's really easy to understand, you know, the inflection points and proves proves to me not that you needed that at all, but that you're an exceptional sales leader. Storytelling is one of the, I think one of the the best traits in people who lead effectively because everybody can kind of grapple around these stories. So Thanks for leaving us with that. It's a great place to leave the conversation. Where can folks find you if they want to reach out? I'm on LinkedIn, Danielle Press. Easy enough, Danielle. Well, thank you so, so much for your appearance today on the Ramp Podcast. Congrats again on the two new miracles in your life. And we truly, truly appreciate you coming aboard and chatting with us. People are going to love this episode and learn so much from you. And we hope to have you back sometime soon on the Ramp Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Danny. This was great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, The Ramped Platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.